0: My dirty stains. Here's my heart, not fit for. Thank
1: I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm so glad you've joined me tonight. My name is Hal Brady. Welcome to Hal Brady Ministries. It is my prayer that the word and the music will be a blessing. Would you hear now please the reading of God's word. It's going to come from a couple of places, Exodus and Matthew. Listen to this single verse. You shall not murder. You shall not murder. Now listen to these words. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you, if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you're offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you will be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. But I want you to hear this one more time. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me please now for a word of prayer? Let us pray. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, which are our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. There's not any one of us that has not been deeply affected by the recent tragic events in Newtown, Connecticut. Of course, I'm talking about the killing of 20 children and seven adults. The stories and witnesses of those people shall live forever in our minds and hearts. And along with other shootings, we are once again confronted with the horrible reality of violence. Four hundred and twenty nine people out of every one hundred thousand people in the United States are murdered every year. The late Walter Wink, a respected biblical scholar, called violence the spirituality of the modern world. He writes Violence is the ethos of our time. Violence is accorded the statue of a religion, demanding from its devotees an absolute obedience unto death. Thus with these unsettling memories and words we're confronted with the Sixth Commandment. God has given us six rules by which we are to live our lives. But certainly this Sixth Commandment is of primary importance. God says, you shall not kill. The newer translation is subjective to the word murder for kill. And that is a correct translation. The Hebrew verb here means violent and unauthorized killing. Originally, this commandment was not intended to stop all killing. As a matter of fact, the Jews were told to kill people who didn't officially obey all the commandments. And we know that they continue to persist in just and holy wars. But the heartless, indiscriminate, unjustified killing of one individual by another has to stop. In other words, there could be no orderly society if these private acts of violence were allowed to continue. But as Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount... You have heard that it was said of those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you, that those of you who are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And the writer of John's epistle also adds this comment, All who hate a brother or sister are murderers. Hatred in the heart always precedes the act of murder. Therefore, where there is hatred in a person's heart, there is a potential murderer. Thus the old law forbids murder, but the new law declares that anger, bitterness, prejudice, contempt, resentment, and other forms of violence are just as serious sins in the sight of God. At 5.30 a.m. on July 16, 16th, 1945, a light brighter than a hundred suns illuminated the deserts of New Mexico. One of the scientists who was watching this wept. He said, my God, we have created hell. As we think about all the violence of our times, the threat of nuclear war, terrorism, motives of revenge and hatred and all of those kind of things, unjustified killing, about all we can say is we have created hell. But God says you shall not kill, murder. And Jesus adds, you shall not, you shall not even be angry or hate. So what is the Christian alternative to the violence of our times? First, we are called to stake out God's ownership of life. We are called to stake out God's ownership of life. We are to discover or rediscover the Christian estimate of personality. A little boy was in a classroom and a teacher said to him, I want you to describe something unique, something different, something that's in this very room, unique, different from anything else. The little boy thought a minute, then he jumped up and shouted, me. Me there's something profound about that little boy's answer, something very much in line with the Christian faith. For we ourselves are certainly told and taught that we must discover or rediscover the Christian estimate of personality. Now this sixth commandment, you shall not murder, you shall not kill, is known and affirmed far and wide. As a matter of fact, in recent years, we've heard so much about love of neighbor and personal rights and human rights and the opportunity of living together peacefully. And these particular causes have had eloquent spokespersons and they've done a magnificent job. But behind all the glamour of all of this, there's a terrible sickness eating away at the vitals of our society. And it rears its ugly head every once in a while in senseless beatings or in public shootings. So what is this horrible, horrible evil that exists below the surface of our society? It is a basic disrespect for human life, a basic disrespect for human life and expresses itself in the propensity to kill. I'm talking about in international affairs, I'm talking about in the urban streets of our cities, I'm talking about in our schools, in our theaters, and even in our religious houses of worship. You see, killing and violence are ingrained in the culture of our time. Think about the movie industry how focused that industry is on violence. And then if we want to express our own personal inclinations to violence, we can just get a video game or we can get on a computer. And what about all these people, these best-selling authors who are writing their books? Their books are raised on killing. And then we have so much of the media that's focused on violence. It's something that has to do with the idea that only bad news sells. And then our own humor degrades human life i want you to listen to this because this speaks directly to what i'm saying three monkeys sat in a coconut tree discussing things that are said to be said one to the other now listen you two there's a certain rumor that can't be true that man descended from our noble race the very idea is a disgrace no monkey ever deserted his wife starved her babies and ruined her life And you've never known a mother monk to leave her babies with others to bunk? Or pass them on from one to another till they scarcely know who is their mother? Another thing you never see, a monk build a fence around a coconut tree, letting all the coconuts go to waste, forbidding all monks a taste. Why put a fence around a tree? Starvation would force you to steal from me. Here's another thing a monk won't do, go out at night and get on a stew. Or use a gun, or a club, or a knife to take some other monkey's life. Yes, man he descended the ordinary cuss, but brother, he didn't descend from us. And so here we have the sixth commandment: "You shall not kill." You shall not murder. Loretto Taff, in this particular statue of a boy by Donatello, had this statue of a boy sitting on the ground, and he tried to arrange the light around the statue. He first put the light on the ground and it shone up into the boy's face but when he stood back he was shocked the boy looked like a moron so he kept moving the light around finally he put the light over the boy's shoulder in other words the light was shining from above and then he stepped back and he looked like an angel we need to understand this whenever we look at humankind from below we don't see the sacredness of human life but when we look at humankind from above through God and through the view of the Christian faith, then we see the sacredness of life. Beloved, life is sacred. Life is sacred. It is God's life and it's given to each one of us. God gave it to us. It is God's life. So we have a theological problem with murder and hatred and prejudice and resentment and all those things. Life is sacred. Albert Schweitzer, this very intellectual gentleman, Albert Schweitzer wanted to find an ethic that was as strong as Nietzsche's ethic of a will to power. So he looked and looked for an ethic. Finally, one day, going upriver from Lamborghini, he found it. It was reverence for life. Reverence for life. For Albert Schweitzer, that was the fundamental understanding of human life. In other words, he was a life that wanted to live among other lives. A life that wanted to live among other lives. That is a reverence for life. And then secondly, secondly, we're called to take a fresh look within. We're called to take a fresh look within. Now I might, you might be saying, I've never murdered anybody, so why do I have to listen to this stuff? But before you cut out, I want you to hear these words from Matthew 5. You see, other people have thought about cutting out But Jesus called them up just like he's calling us up when he said, You have heard that it was said of those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you are liable to judgment. So what causes us to to murder or kill? It is anger, anger. Consider the fact of people we might have killed this day or any other day through our anger or resentment or our contempt or our unkindness toward other people. Think about those people that we might have killed that way. Is our fellow human being simply a dead weight at the bottom of our heart? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. In his book, Stride Toward Freedom, Martin Luther King Jr. advised his people to avoid not only violence of deed but violence of spirit In this, Dr. King was very much in line with Jesus Christ. It's a matter of what we think. It's our attitude, not simply what we do. Jesus stated that if I am angry and hateful to someone, I am a murderer in my heart. Herbert Hoover wrote a book called The Ordeal of Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow Wilson was probably one of the most idealistic presidents we ever had in the White House. He had a dream for world peace, but his political opponents, had every right to disagree with him and they did. But they went further than that. They didn't just disagree, they became vindictive and vile and they wanted to crucify the man, which they ultimately did. Woodrow Wilson left office a shattered human being. They're called politicians. Jesus called them murderers. Here's a father who's trying to raise a son. He raises him from a child to an adult and he tries to help him to be responsible. But the boy is selfish, thinks only of himself, lives only for himself, disappoints his father. His father had a wonderful reputation. This boy broke his reputation by getting in debt and not getting out of debt and doing all sorts of bad things. Then the father dies. The father dies. Doctors say heart attack. Jesus says murderer. This boy killed his father because he disappointed him so badly. He brought his life to an end. Then here's a young girl who wants to become a schoolteacher. She wants to go to school. She's trying to get out of the ghetto. But you see, her parents and the people in the ghetto were not only poor, they were poor in their expectations. So they began to ridicule and say, You're a schoolteacher? Why don't you just plan to be president of General Motors? Well, they killed her dreams. Murderers, they're called. Now, where does all this killing come from? We're told that it comes from the heart. So if we're going to beat this, we've got to do it in the heart. If anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. There's a story of a young boy who wanted to go down to Columbia in South America and preach the gospel. He was going to translate the scriptures. He was going to preach the gospel. After he had been down there a while, He was kidnapped, and he was murdered. Imagine the disappointment of his parents and the friends in his community when they found that out, a brutal, senseless killing. A year later, that community in the United States decided to collect an offering for that very state where their boy had been murdered. They collected a wonderful offering, and the parents took it down there. While they were there, someone from that community in Columbia said, How could you do this? How could you possibly come and do this in a place where your son's life was taken? And the woman said this. She said, I'm here and we're here because God has taken the hatred out of our hearts. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This is a call to take a fresh look within. And then one other thing here I want us to think about. We are challenged to turn a negative into a positive. It's not enough just to refrain from evil and killing and prejudice and violence and all of that. We ought to turn a negative into a positive. We ought to be kind. Jesus came 2,000 years ago giving us this message, this message of kindness and goodness. We see it in the Sermon on the Mount. We see it in his life. It's a message of loving kindness. And following Jesus, the Apostle Paul took up the same message. Listen to how he put it. In the book of Ephesians, put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. What he said was, Be kind. Be kind. You know, some time ago I was looking through some old papers, and this is an old piece of paper from the Atlanta paper. It was written by a columnist named Celestine Sibley. It's entitled, is Big Decline in Politeness Behind Rising Crime Rate. She was talking to someone. Listen, the lady said, In spite of everything, a 70-year-old woman told me earnestly, I believe manners are important. Do you think, Miss Sibley said, we should worry about politeness when people are killing each other? Absolutely, the woman said. Did you ever hear of anybody killing a woman? He said, Yes, ma'am, too. If our people in our schools would concentrate more on the form of good manners, the Spirit would follow. Be kind. The second thing is be tenderhearted. Tenderhearted means be compassionate and loving and merciful and kind. How important it is for us to be that way. Now, there's a preacher by the name of Trotter. He's a Methodist preacher. This is what he said. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, we ought to move beyond our Stone Age mentality this trying to get even all the time. We ought to stop this cycle of violence and hatred and show the world a better way. And the better way is a way of kindness. A way of kindness. There was a fellow who had a big old boat out in his yard. And so one day he decided to change things. He decided to make it into an object of art. So he went out with his chisel, his hammer, and his chisel. And he chiseled this thing down until it looked just like an elephant. A beautiful elephant. And his neighbor said... How did you do it? He said, well, I just chiseled everything away from it, that stone, that didn't look like an elephant. If you have something in your heart that doesn't look like love, then by God's help, just chisel it away. Just chisel it away. And then be forgiving. A fellow said to his mother, Mother, I want to be a blessing. She said, then you need to be blessable. What she was saying was, if you want God to bless you, then give him a reason for blessing you. Give him a reason for blessing you. And so that's what he did. He tried to give him a reason for blessing him. And he did. Well, here's where we are. The sixth commandment says, do not kill. Jesus said, do not even think evil. Because that's just as bad as the other. So this is a Christian alternative to violence. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this day and this time together. We do pray indeed for those people in Newtown, Connecticut. We ask that you would be with all of those who have suffered and continue to suffer. We pray that you'd be with the families, that you'd be with all of those who are having a difficult time. Somehow, help them to know through our giving and our loving and serving that you care and that we care. It's all in your name. Amen. Thank you very much for joining us in this service. I hope you'll have a, a good evening. Good night.